Welcome to the Heart Picker Podcast. I'm Lara Blacklock, your host, and this is episode 23. Hello, everybody. It's been a while since I posted or since I podcasted an episode in English. If you're new to this podcast, this is a place where we talk from our hearts, where I do not brain picking, but lots of heart picking. I created this podcast because I wanted a safe space where I can encourage vulnerability as our strength, where I could tell my own stories, where I could tell other people's stories, a platform where I can inspire people to open their hearts and keep their hearts open to others as well. Now, I know this is a funny place because it's bilingual. There's episodes in English and there's episodes in Spanish. And that comes from my own background being half Venezuelan and half Canadian. So I appreciate your patience in waiting for the English episode to come around. I try to take turns between both. And well, this is the way I've decided to tell stories because choosing one language or another is impossible for me. Today we'll be speaking to my friend Tristan, a man I met in Yogyakarta, Indonesia. Of all places, we met at this little hostel in a city of Indonesia where not a lot of tourists go. I value this friendship because between Tristan and I, there is nothing that we have in common other than maybe our passion for traveling, our ways of living life by challenging ourselves and going through pain in order to achieve what we want. Tristan and I clicked in a very funny way and I think we both have quite a bit of funny memories together that I don't think either of us will ever forget. My friendship with Tristan and other people I have befriended during my travels is a reminder of how connections that you make while you travel can last a lifetime, even more than the connections you have from your childhood. I've learned a lot from Tristan, and I think he's probably learned himself from his time with me. We had lots of good laughs together. We had lots of adventures together. And funny enough, we have not seen each other ever since that time that we spent together, three years. So when we had this conversation, three years had gone by without us actually having a call together. And there was a lot of reminiscing involved. But also, I've decided that I wanted to share his story with you guys. His story on how he overcame homelessness, how fitness and martial arts played a huge role in his mindset in order to overcome the obstacles he had been going through, and how he entered a new stage in his life, moving to New York from Miami, where he also experienced his bit of homelessness. Funny enough, it's not a drama story it's the story of a regular man who just had to see this part of life or the situation that we would normally see as a tragic situation. 
But for him, this was a stepping stone in order to get to where he wanted to go. This was very inspiring for me, and it was very inspiring from the moment I first heard that he had gone through this. Something major that this episode taught me while I was in it and while I was editing is that it made me gain perspective on the amount of things that I consider are sacrifices in my life in order to achieve my dreams and how sometimes those sacrifices aren't as bad as we think they are when we put them into perspective with what other people have and are going through in their own lives. I admire Tristan big time for overcoming this, these situations in his life and living life in his way, in a way that's brave, and for how he has stuck and committed to his practice in jiu-jitsu and in his training and his fitness. I haven't seen or met a person that is as committed as Tristan is. So I hope you guys enjoy and I'll see you on the other side. Okay, yeah, it's been three years. That's crazy. Three years. Actually, I think it's been exactly three years. Because we met what uh april 2018 yeah actually that's crazy yeah that's so cool that it's just at the same time very synchronistic i know know, man it's been a minute maybe think back freaking indonesia what the hell was i doing in indonesia and not even in bali but in Yogyakarta, like the most (laughs) random Nobody knows, like, no one would really go there for tourism. It's really random. No, it was so random. Yeah, but it was cool, man. It was cool. Funny story, I'm going to tell man. the story. It's a good story. Sure. I'm going to tell the story of how we met so people know <laughs> how we met and why I want to do this. <laughs> okay. Okay, so then the first talk was when I got up and went and to have breakfast and they'd get at this place, they'd always leave at the table a bowl of rice. <laughs> and I think that's it. Maybe meat? It, it was it vegetarian. Was like, it's always vegetarian. I think rice and like some... Um, beans or something. Damn, some beans. Yeah, it was like some rice and beans. Oh, man. Just like it, very but small. A bowl of rice. Yeah, yeah, but like I hate it because I'm a breakfast person. So I need bread. I need eggs. I need pastry. I don't know. But freaking uh, or fruits. But <laughs> rice like in the first thing in the morning. Oh, oh. Yeah. Anyway, I, yeah, we started because it was for free. So, you know, you backpackers like anything that's free. And uh, <laughs> and that's where we met at the kitchen table. That's where we started yeah. talking. By the way, look at look at my arms. I'm fit. I see you. I see you. You're not a skinny. I'm not. Anymore. I'm not skinny like I used to be. I look at my pictures from that year and I, I fuck. I didn't have shoulders. Like now I have shape. And we had that conversation about what you needed to do. Yeah. You're welcome. You're welcome. Yep. Now I'm fit. I'm. And I remember I was doing those. You gave me an exercise, and that that made me really skinny. But now I've been really on weights, 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 weights. And so I was telling I you, can see the difference. Heavy, 
Yeah, man. And I can also see it when I stop, like two weeks, and and I remember you when you were like, I, I'm so skinny right now, I'm so skinny right now, because you stop and then you... You but shrink, anyway. so like... No, no, that's good, man, because like, remember our body types were ectomorphs, we're really skinny, so for us to maintain that weight, we have to keep working out. We have to keep. Yeah. And we'll, we'll shrink. Yeah, so look at yeah. you, I'm proud of that. No, y yeah. I didn't realize how skinny I looked. Um, but anyway, this isn't about fitness. Uh, <laughs> and then we went on a volcano hike. Oh my and, God. Um, and at 1 a.m. and to see the sunrise and I thought I was going to die. We all thought we were going to die. At least I thought I was going to die. We skipped. Okay, wait. We skipped the part where we started hanging out, which, which was I went to get a scooter and, and do a couple errands. And then when I returned... We there were snakes. To... There were kids playing with snakes oh, in the park. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I remember that. Oh, my God. That's, that's just where we start, where we Yeah, and I came in and I'm like, you have to come out now. There's snakes. There's snakes. Come <laughs> see this. I had to share it with someone. And because and, it was so weird, all these kids having picnics with snakes. Never seen anything like that, man. Yeah. And so that was cool. And then... I told you, okay, do you know how to ride a scooter? And you're like, no. And I'm like, what? And I was really uh, show-offy. I'm like, you're in Asia and you don't know how to ride. Get on. And then, <laughs> and then, and you were hanging on so tight. And there was a point where I had to say, okay, you really need to let, like, let go and like Yo, sit back. Like, I can't breathe. Dude, I'm not comfortable. Like, hello, I'm in Asia on the back of a scooter with some little stick. With a skinny, yeah. With a skinny stick, weaving in and out, going up on hills, going down, like, I'm going to die. <laughs> and the traffic, die. like the, the amount of scooters. I don't know if Dude. I could do that now. I don't know. I'd Dude. have to get used to it all over again. Again? That. Yo, check this out. I learned how to ride a scooter in Thailand with my boys. Yo, so I was weaving in, like, so easy. I learned. I did easy. crash. But... It happens too. It happens. I still <laughs> I have scars like, oh, on my shit. knees from my scooter crash. <laughs> yeah, oh, they're man. pretty bad. Yeah, they, I still have them. Uh, I love that I have scars from that trip. It's really cool. So I wanted to talk about something you mentioned in that trip, and I think I recorded you, but of course I lost that recording. Mm, uh, I think I remember this. Yeah, because I'd been thinking about a podcast or some way of telling stories. I don't know if you remember that, but I didn't know how yet. Mm -hmm. So I was, I think you I was just, just in the game planning stage. I was just documenting people all the time and like audios and mm -hmm. whatever. Cause I was meeting people all the time and you find these fascinating stories. Um, mm -hmm. And I wanted to do something with that, but I didn't know what. And now I have this, this podcast and I'm far <laughs> away. But it's okay. So it's I wanted to, to talk about something you mentioned that was really personal back then. And I found mm -hmm. really amazing. And I was like, wow, people should hear this. And that was when you said you had a time in your life where you were homeless. Yes. Yes. Actually, it gets better. So I did have a time when I was homeless. Um, this was way back in like 2010, 2009. Actually, no, 2010, I was homeless. You know, I lost, I didn't lose my job, I quit my job, um, and I didn't have anywhere to go. So literally, I was out in the street, 
literally I have my my duffel bag, um, I think my laptop, um, some clothes or whatever. And literally out in the street, like I had to sleep behind uh, a sports authority. <laughs> like I'll never forget this, man. Um, literally sleeping outside sports authority. Uh, I think I had like $35 in my pocket. And I'm like, shit, what am I gonna do? I am on the street right now. But you know, I, I didn't freak out or anything. It was more so, okay, cool. Got a game plan. I, I got to figure this out. Um, at night, I would use my laptop and I would use the Wi-Fi at Barnes & Noble because I was in between a Barnes & Noble and a sports authority. And I would use the Wi-Fi at night in the parking lot and you just fill out applications for jobs um, across the street. I'll never forget this. There was a Dunkin' Donuts. I would sleep on there. Remember on the at Dunkin' Donuts had these little couches outside? Mm -hmm. I would sleep on the couch. And I was there so late that one of the trucks came to deliver donuts and stuff and woke me up. And I wake up and I look at the driver. The driver's looking at me. I'm like, oh shit, you know. Um, one of the women who worked there, I think she knew I was homeless. She would save the receipts and give them to me because if you do the survey at the bottom of the receipt, you get like a free donut or something. And like she would save the receipts from other customers so to nice. give to me. And I would fill out the survey, you know, to eat donuts. I mean, obviously it's not real food, but it's something, you know, I'm not hungry. Well, if she saw you uh, with a laptop, she must have thought, this, this isn't a bum. Like this guy's in a bad situation. <laughs> that, would be, that would be so weird for me to see a guy sleeping on the street, but with his laptop. I'd be like, mm -hmm. what's going on here? <laughs> you know, right? Um, but, you know, from there... Um, I was doing research on, you know, how I can get back on my feet, you know, how I could uh, find a place at that point in my life. I didn't want to find somebody to live with, like friends, family. I'd rather figure it out myself than bum with someone else, you know, because I want to do things on my own. You know, you got to make it on your own. Um, I found a homeless shelter. Uh, it was in Fort Lauderdale. And I ended up in the homeless shelter. And mind you, when people think of homeless shelters, they really don't know who's living inside the homeless shelter. They think the worst automatically, uh, drug addicts or woman beaters, you know, crazy, crazy people, which there are some in there. But for the most part, I met some really smart people in there. I met doctors in there who just fell on hard times. They had to, you know, uh, sell things, you know, just to get back on their feet. Anyway, I uh, get in the homeless shelter. Um, I was in that homeless shelter for about six months where you know it's just you have to get up you have to clean your little bed it's like bunk beds i was in a room with about what uh, 120 guys like there's no privacy <laughs> zero privacy um you have your little locker whatever you can fit in that locker you know it's in there um and you have to start making your moves during the day uh so during the day get your food clean up they would give you chores so if you live in a shelter for you to stay there, you needed to do your chores uh, before you can actually go out and do what you needed to do, which is which is good, you know? They don't want people to send their freeloading for nothing. Um, so, you know, job hunting, um, met some very interesting characters in the homeless shelter. Mind you, I didn't start working out until I got into the homeless shelter. I met a bunch of guys who, you know, they just started working out and I was, I was super skinny at the time. They're like, yo, we need to do some push-ups. I'm like, I'm not doing no push-ups. No, nah, man, come over here and do some push-ups. <laughs> so, and you I weren't into started... fitness yet, or martial arts. Into... I wasn't into anything, nothing. Like I was, I, was, I couldn't do a push-up. I, I, I couldn't do a pull-up. Wow. Like, I was nothing. See, I didn't know guys... this. That's cool. Yeah. That, that's where you yeah. that like this 
started for you? That's where it started. Like I met this guy, uh, his name was, um, was Morris. And you know, you kind of click with somebody, he's cool. Um, he just had me doing push-ups and stuff. He's like, yeah, man, you need to eat. In the homeless shelter, they give you three meals a day, um, breakfast, lunch, and dinner. You gotta get up at like five o'clock in the morning, get your breakfast. Um, and you're allowed seconds one time. He would wake me up. He would like uh, bang on my bed, like, yo, you gotta get up for breakfast. You need to eat because you're skinny. <laughs> so, you know, I'll go get my breakfast, my lunch, and dinner, and you know, just do push ups and everything. Um, but in the shelter, man, I think that was probably my lowest low in my life. Like, literally, I'm in a homeless shelter. Like, I was just like, damn, you know, I wasn't sad. It was more so like, how the hell did I end up here? And what am I gonna do to get out, you know? Um, I just, fitness, focus, training, that's all I did at the time until things, you know, fell into place. Uh, I ended up getting a job at Best Buy uh, during that time frame, uh, which was crazy because like, I only, like I said, I only had the $35, so I had to walk to work, which was far, like it was, it was a bit of a challenge, but uh, I used that to drive myself when I was working. I was like, you know what? Let me do what I need to do to never end up in this situation again. You know, people wondered why I worked so hard um, and why I was the way I was, because when you're homeless, you ain't got nothing else, you know? So I'll be damned if I half-ass it with whatever job that I get or whatever opportunity that I get, you know? I don't want to end up back here. So yeah, um, I was homeless for about a year um, until I was finally able to, you know, get my own place, you know, fast forwarding it. But I'll tell you, had I not gone through that, I don't think I'd be here with this mentality as strong as I am now, because, you know, once you've hit rock bottom, there's nothing that you can, there's, there's nothing that you encounter that you can't overcome. My God, it's, oh, yeah. what's lower than being, what's lower than being homeless? <laughs> Nothing, you know what I mean? So and this is in, in Florida, right? Yes, yeah, Miami. So yeah. even like in Miami, like tr what you said about getting to work, it's not. Yeah. Transportation no, sucks in Miami. Transportation, transportation. is terrible. So, and I was actually yeah. in Fort Lauderdale because uh, in Fort Lauderdale, it's Broward, Miami's day. Broward, it's even worse. So once it hits a certain time, like nine o'clock, 10 o'clock, you're not catching a bus anywhere, you know? I don't even think at the time they had Uber or Lyft. There was no Uber and Lyft at the time. They didn't have that. Mm. So it was like you, it's like yeah, if you had to get to work. How old you were you? Were I think I was 20, 24. I became homeless right, right before my 24th birthday. Wow. <laughs> I was like, yeah, happy birthday to me. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And so, Fitness played a huge role at this point um, mm -hmm. to like, how did that, what, what role did fitness play in your life? The, the mentality, it's like, I had nothing else. I didn't have any family at the time, at least uh, that I knew about in the area. Um, I didn't have any money. What else could I do? It was either, it was look for a job during the day. What else was I doing the other X amount of hours during the day? There's nothing else. Um, so I was just doing push-ups, pull-ups, you know, it was a matter of, okay, this was a turning point in my life. This was a turning point in my life mentally and physically. When I said I couldn't do any pull-ups, I couldn't do a single pull-up. The guy took me out to do a pull-up on some, like, um, in a parking lot. I couldn't do a pull-up. I'm like, man, I am weak as shit. <laughs> you know, I need to, like, what's going on, you know? Can you take me to, like, um, 
other areas to do dips. I couldn't do anything. I was like, man. So it allowed me to not focus on being homeless. It allowed me to focus on doing something for myself, you know, something that I could control in the moment. I don't have a job right now. I can, you know, apply online and everything, but I can focus on doing something now. And that started with me, you know, so I, that fitness played a huge role, you know, in that aspect, you know, just doing push-ups, pull-ups, getting better, you know. Um, and mind you, I'm working out with guys who just got out of jail. Some guys were, um, uh, they got out of prison. I'm like, how the hell do I make, I can make friends with prisoners and, and people from jail, you know. So, that yeah. was crazy. So, what did, what, what was, so the, what I find interesting about that is, um, how doing something with the body can go a long way rather than just focusing on the mental. The mental meaning like applying jobs, uh, how mm. game planning, how am I going to get out of here, blah, 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 blah. It, the whole aspect of dedicating yourself to your body and then what does that for, what does, what that does for your mind, that's what I find really, by the way, I have tattoos. Sorry to, ch I'll, I'll ch show them to you after. Oh, I already <laughs> did show them to you. I think you did, you did, yeah. When I got them. Miss, Miss, I'm never going to get a tattoo. <laughs> oh, I don't believe in But tattoos. they're so, look how delicate they are. But still. <laughs> Like, so I'm, like I said, I'm, I'm, I'm so proud of you. Look, you don't know, put yeah, on some muscle. You got work. some tattoos. Oh, look at you. Like six mm -hmm. tattoos. Six tattoos. Damn. Yeah. Okay. And I, but they're just and I all said small. This. I said this. I was like, you're going to change. I was like, your mindset's <laughs> going to change. And sure enough. So that stuck with you, right? The whole fitness. Um, It stuck with me to a point until... Until I got out, oh, excuse me, until I got out of that. But the fitness part, um, it's funny that how you mentioned uh, focusing on the body, which enhances the mind. A lot of people really don't know that uh, it's together. You know, you train the body, it trains the mind. You train the mind, it trains the body. Um, but for me, to, to keep my sanity, I had to focus on training, you know, the body. It allows me to shift my focus to something else, you know until I need to shift it back to the mind, you know, getting out of that situation. But yeah, um, fitness played a, a huge, a huge uh, role, uh, at least in that aspect, you know, allowed me to, to focus on something else, you know. Um, I could have easily sat there, done nothing, be depressed, moping around, oh man, what am I gonna do? I decided to redirect that energy into something else. It's all about redirecting that energy into something else. Something and that was positive. like in the influence around you because maybe if these guys weren't there, then you wouldn't have thought of I that all exactly. your own. What was the, the biggest fuck? lesson you learned from one of these people? Like you said, you were with prisoners. Did you meet anybody that mm -hmm. taught you something? Um, well, I met a doctor in there, not even really interacting with him much. It's just that... You can never judge a book by its cover. We know this, but any anything can happen to you. No matter what you have, material possessions, you can lose it instantaneously. It doesn't matter what you know, how much money you have now, what your, your worldly possessions are, you can lose those at the drop of a hat um, and be a rock bottom. So that really, really made me, um, I'm not, I'm not gonna say I was a materialistic person, but when I interacted with him or seeing his status, I was like, man, possessions don't mean anything. 
that stuff is, it's, that's trash, you know what I mean? Um, because you can lose it. And then if you're a person that's so attached to these worldly possessions and you lose it, and that's your identity, what's gonna happen, you know? Um, and working with the other guys, um, there were a lot of people in there. I don't know their past fully. I didn't get that close with them. But for the most part, everyone was taking it one day at a time. Everyone focused in the moment, you know? No one was walking around like, oh man, no, they were just doing what they had to do out the next day, um, keeping it very simple, you know. Um, I couldn't stay in there thinking about what's going to happen in the next six months, what's going to happen in the next year. Nope, uh, focus on the now, in the moments. Take each day at a time, take each day at a time. So, yeah, man, it, I, it's been a while since I actually had to really think about that, but uh, it, it puts everything into perspective. So do you think that helped you stay present stay present now like that lesson of staying present and not thinking so much into the future every now and then we all we all tend to um forget and we need those reminders so i had my times where i would still you know forget about the now think about in the future and then i get a snap back to reality so i think we tried to make the we tried to do the podcast thing what last year I think around, I forgot the time. And then you're like, yo, we're gonna do the podcast. I'm like, uh, right now, uh, I'm in a, in a bit of a situation. So let's fast forward to that real quick. Um, mind you, I moved to New York on November 1st, 2019. Uh, and that just, that was just on a whim. I think I was in Thailand um, in October and I was in the hostel with my friends. And I was like, man, you know what? I'm so tired of the the rat race, doing the exact same thing every day, not challenging myself. It's like, I feel like if I stay here, I'm not going to get to the next level, whatever that level may be, physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, I need, I need to move. Sort of like, where are you gonna go? So I look at my Delta app and I have like, you know, the frequent flyer miles. It's like, man, I can travel to New York for $5. They're like, New York, you're going to go to New York? I'm like, yeah, I'm going to go to New York. They're like, okay, cool. You know, like, all right, watch. So we get, I get back from Thailand and I'm on my patio at home and I book a one-way ticket to New York. And I tell my brother, yeah, I'm going to New York. He's like, you're going to New York? I'm like, yeah, I'm going to New York. He's like, what? He's like, who do you know in New York? Uh, nobody, no job. Uh, no, I don't know anyone in New York. Uh, the last time I've been to New York was like, I was... I think nine or 10. So the New York of nine years old means nothing when you're 30 something years old. Um, anyway, I leave Miami, uh, get to New York November 1st. I'm in the airport, uh, Miami International, and I am shitting bricks. Like I'm like, oh my God, what am I doing? I can't believe this. I got like, I think I have like 400 bucks. I'm like, all right, cool. Um, it's a make it or break it. And you know what? Had I not been homeless, years back, I would never done it. Because if I can survive homelessness at that time, there's nothing that I can't survive. I survived with $35. I got $400 going to New York. I'm pretty sure I can make something happen, you know? So I get to New York and I'm in LaGuardia. Mind you, I'm not prepped for, for winter at all. I'm Miami boy. So I get there, I get outside and the wind blows. I'm like, oh shit. <laughs> I'm like, yo, it is cold. I was like, yeah, I gotta find a place to, to stay 
because I'm not trying to be out on the street in New York uh, or Queens or wherever at night, 10 o'clock at night with uh, with suitcases. That's like saying, hey, come rob me, come take stuff. Um, but um, I'm in the airport, got my laptop. I'm like searching, okay, you know, where can I stay? You know, I don't want to spend any money on a hotel for like one or two nights or whatever. Guess what I find? I find a homeless shelter. I'm like, shit, I'm like, here we go again. I'm like, I'm gonna have to get into a shelter. At least that's a place I can stay until I can, you know, find some work. You know, the first time I became homeless, it was, it wasn't my choosing, it happened. This time, me doing it myself, it's a different ballgame because now I know what I have to do. I've been through it before. It's just gonna expedite things for me to get on my feet. Man, I get to the shelter. I have all my paperwork, you know, um, the shelter that I went to is a shelter that they, they kind of try to like uh, filter who goes into this shelter uh, to see if you're crazy. They send you to one shelter. Uh, if you have domestic abuse problems, they send you to another shelter. When they do like the evaluation, they're like, yo, man, um, you don't need to be here. So we're going to send you to a different shelter. So the shelter I go to, it's a really nice shelter. It's like actually a hotel. Uh, you have a room. It's for people who are uh, either working or looking for work. So I was like, oh, shit, cool. You can wow. get meals and everything. So like, okay, cool. You can be here as long as you're actively working or looking for work. So it's like money. So mind you, I get to New York November 1st. Um, I start applying for some jobs. I get a call or an email from Staples saying, hey, you know what? We saw your resume, you know, um, hey, apply on our, our website. I'm like, okay, cool, I applied. I ended up getting a job the next month after as an assistant manager at Staples. So I'm like, yo, Imagine if I were afraid, didn't make the jump. And mind you, I was making more money than I was making back home in Miami. I was like, yeah, that's a month in. Then COVID hits. Boom. <laughs> COVID comes and decimates. Now I'm stuck in the shelter. Everything's on freeze. I can't, um, I'm working, thankfully, you know, saving money, but I can't get out of the shelter. I'm stuck here. So I'm like, man, okay. There's nothing that I can do. All I can do is work. All I can do uh, is train. It went right back to that. Focusing on work, focusing on my training because I can't control it. I, I really, there's nothing that I can do. I end up in a program called the SOTA program. The SOTA program is if, if you make a certain amount uh, yearly, they'll pay your rent for either four months or a year. I was like, what? You'll pay my rent for four months or a year? I was like, I'll stay here as long as I need to, to qualify for this program. I was like, I've been through worse. This is nothing. Um, I ended up getting into the program, uh, ended up getting in my own place, which I'm, I'm finally here now. Um, but I had to endure for about a year and three months of being in this shelter, being around the same, I'd say a different type of person because from Miami to New York, there are different types of people. The personalities are different. The culture is different. I had to, okay, cool. I'm in a different place and it's kind of chill, you know, just focus. I need to take that focus and put it somewhere else. It was working and training, working and training. Um, without that, I think I would've been crazy because these people in New York are so different, man. Oh my God, they're so different. But, um, yeah, uh, it was because of my past experiences, it allowed me to to make it through now, you know what I mean? So 
I'm grateful for all those things happening and I can always look back on those things. So whenever I go through something difficult, I go back into that jar of bullshit that I went through. Okay, cool. I went through that. Put it back in the jar. Now, whatever I encounter now is easy, you know, so. I I love that because it's uh, not having that fear that some people would have like, oh, what if I'm homeless? What if, and, and people think that that would be the worst and, but you lived through it. So you didn't have that fear or for you, it was like, being homeless isn't as bad in this in in this country at least right because other countries it would be uh, probably other different conditions but um yeah knowing so there's this you know Tim Ferriss right have you heard of his list on what you really want to do uh, being specific and then writing down this whole thing about getting over the fears in achieving your dreams he says then right next to it what would be the worst thing that would happen so let's say you oh uh if i invest in this business blah blah blah, blah and the worst thing that would happen oh i go broke okay and then and then say what would you do in that case if, if you went broke to redeem that oh I could go home and then that's he has that exercise as a way of like stripping down your fears so you do what you want and it's kind of what you by your own circumstances like what what happened to you it's kind of what that's what happened for you you knew what the worst would be you'd already Mm -hmm. been there you knew what what you have to do to get back on your feet so you're no longer scared and it's it's like what you said if you'd been scared You'd be still wondering, oh, I wish I could go to New York and exactly. wow, it's, it's, it's very inspiring to think that something that, yeah, because a lot of people would see that as a failure. Oh, Mm. you know, he was homeless at some point. He, he failed, but no, uh, like these, these rock bottoms don't have to be failures. (laughs) Like they're, they can be huge lessons and you've really taken advantage of that. Like the move to New York shows that how you took advantage of that. And like what you said, what's the worst that can happen? I've already been through this and that. And, and, and you didn't see it the same way. It's like, oh, I'm at a shelter. Fuck. I'm here again. I failed again. Like this is shit. No, you already, you were looking at it as a step, as like a stepping stone. It's, uh, that's what's really cool. And like that mentality going into your, life with that mentality all the time is what will make you go far that's what i think is so cool that i I love that this is on the podcast yeah you know a lot of people they they let their fear stop them from doing things like when people hear my story they're like oh i could never do that honestly you could if you had no other choice and that was in the cards for you for it to happen to you you would do it because that's that's all you have that's the route that you have to take you know um fear for me is like it it, fear is not going to kill you um is it scary sometimes yes was i scared in the airport absolutely i was terrified but i everything was already done i just hop on the plane you know get it done um so Anytime a person wants to do something, um, you just have to get over that fear, you know? And I, I use those rock bottoms as stepping stones. You know, for me, it wasn't rock bottom. It was just another step to get to the next level. Um, and normally, when you hit a rock bottom, when you have something that happens so dramatic to you, that's just before your breakthrough. 
So if you, if you have a fear or something happens to you and you don't face it, your breakthrough is right on the other side of that. So you have to go through it, you know? You have to go through it. Like, worst day ever, but you know what? Something great comes from it, you know? So, man, it's... My friends still, they look at me now like, man, I can't, I can't believe you did that, you know? You're crazy. I was like, ah, it's not that I'm crazy. I just know what I want. I know what it takes to get to certain places, you know, especially since I've been there and done that. You know, there's nothing and that I can't willing, achieve. You're willing to go through that too. Because some people would be like, ah, no, I don't want to. And, and that, that, then the question is, how bad do you want it? Because when you really want something, then you, you have, you're, you'll be willing to go through the sacrifices. Like sacrificing, okay, I won't have a home for a while. But, but I'll be moving to New York. You know what I mean? Like, that's that's the kind of question people have to ask themselves. That's awesome. I really like hearing this. I wanted to ask you. Um, it, it, sorry. It, it also made me think about, fa- like, again, the failures and the losing mm-hmm. everything and the rock bottoms. Like, so many people are sheltered from that or will never go through that because they're so well off, let's say, and are privileged and have the means but then you know you you, these situations give you character these challenges these the hardship and it's Mm -hmm. what they make you stronger and they make you way more determined and i see all the time i see people who have everything and material wise like all the money in the world education nothing was hard for them and they don't Mm -hmm. do anything with it because they've never they don't know what it feels to not have anything. No, and you know what's, what's crazy about that is those people, if they lost all of that, they, let's say, for example, they became homeless. They wouldn't know what to do. They would, they would lose their minds because they never had to go through those hardships to get to where they are. I mean, so obviously they had to work hard to get that, but let's say from going homeless to being a millionaire, now they have a different appreciation for the things that they have because they were homeless at one time, you know. Whereas, let's say, our, let's say I became a millionaire tomorrow, if I lost it, I'd be, okay, cool, you know what? I've been there, I've been there before, you know. I appreciate what I have so much more compared to if I had never gone through those hardships and I have all this money and stuff. It, it's just a different, uh, it's a different mindset, you know. Yeah, and it, I mean, my mom tries to protect me all the time, and she tried to protect me from that Asia trip. And when I got my <laughs> legs burned, she was like, you got to come back home. You got to come back home, cancel that trip. And um, a lot of the times it's like you have to remind your family or your friends that it's okay. You know, if 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 these challenging times come, it's it's okay. It's only going to help yeah. me become better. It'll suck in the, t- in the moment, but it'll... <laughs> It'll make me better as a person. And you could have gone to your family. That's what I find even more interesting. And that's what a lot mm-hmm. of people would have done. Gone, gone to their, like, find, um, yeah, whatever they can, that, that comfort in, in mm-hmm. someone. Yeah, yeah, I think that's a, that's a, that's a cop-out. It's like, oh, you know what, go up there, let me go, let me go back to Georgia, to my mom. And that would be failure to me. That's failure where I made an attempt to do something, it was too hard, let me go back. That would have been a failure to me. Okay. Then you go that's back cool to- That's cool because I everybody defines their own failures. That's, yeah. that's mm-hmm. another interesting thing. Mm-hmm. 
as is defining to me. that for yourself. There's so much. Yeah. That's another thing. Like failure is defined by the people around you, your society, mm-hmm. your friends and family. But when you decide what's what success and what failure means to you, then it doesn't matter what other people see because other people Correct. would look at your situation and be like, "Dude, you're so stupid. Just go back home. Like, why are you in a homeless shelter? You don't have exactly. to be in a homeless shelter." That's interesting exactly. too. Exactly. And for me, that would be my success. Working through it, getting through it. Exactly. That's my success. You know, go. I could have easily went back home to Miami or went back to Georgia. That that was the, would have been the easy way out. You know, I was like, uh, no, I didn't. I didn't come this far just to go back. You know, I'm trying to progressively get back. Look where I am now. You know, so whenever and you, know, you don't have a degree. We also talked about this. You don't, don't have, have a, a college degree. degree. Don't have a college degree, and. I have friends who have degrees, and when I worked back in Miami, I worked in retail. I made more money than them without a degree. And I'm like, look, I that's important, but for me, for my path, I've been very successful on my path, you know? Um, and I think, you know, just that determination, you know, like I said, I've been through, I've been through hell and back, um, and man, that has, built me up so much more let me tell you traveling helped out with that too us travelers we're able to adapt to different places and situations a lot better than people who've never traveled before we've been halfway across the world um i've been i don't know about you but i've been stranded uh in korea before i've been stranded i got stranded in indonesia uh, on my way back so going to a new place, going to a place uh, I've never been before, it's nothing to us. We're travelers, you know. So that's another thing that we can take and apply to whatever it is that we encounter. You know? Yeah. Oh, yeah. That that's why I like traveling and traveling in the in this style that's different. I keep mentioning that in the podcast. It's not traveling to go to a resort or a hotel with a big suitcase it's traveling to adventure yourself and go to different <laughs> places like Jakarta mm-hmm. rather than Bali and I Bali, went to Bali exactly. and I thought it was the most over like I didn't think it was beautiful and fancy but I didn't grow or learn as much in that in Bali as I did in other places but that was yeah. my experience because I yeah, wow for like sure. for me that volcano hike or I don't know all all the other experiences I had. I think I went to an island after that, Nusa Penida. Mm-hmm. I don't remember if it was before or after anymore, but that was tough for me because after. I had to ride. I had to ride the scooter in very rough conditions, and most women there mm-hmm. were hiring Indonesian men to take them. But for me, it and and they were always forty five minutes away. All the tourist tourist spots. Um, and for me, that was really tough. I wanted to do it on my own. <laughs> like, I'm going to ride the scooter. And fuck, there were moments where I was terrified of falling again and getting injured again. But I didn't. And um, and that was what success was for me. Like, going through those challenges on my own. And, that, and I knew I needed that, too. Sometimes you know what you need. I knew I needed more grit back then. Like, I needed more. I was way too protected all the time. So that really helped me. Can I? So what got you hired? Like what for you got you? Did you say you were at a homeless shelter when you were applying for jobs? Oh, oh no, not at all. So when I apply to jobs, uh, that's not something they need to know because they're hiring me based on my professional background. 
Um, I was a manager at Best Buy. Um, uh, I was a supervisor. You know, I was responsible for a thirty million dollar department. So, uh, Best Buy is a, a much larger, a larger organization or company than Staples Office Supplies. You know, um, my ability to coach and train teams. You know, I was a nightclub security manager. So it was just my experience uh, that I had that something they needed because they're obviously focusing on sales. The store that I worked at was a four million dollar store. The store that I worked at was 62 million and my department was 30 million. So I was responsible for more than half of the store's revenue. So for them, it was a no brainer, you know? Um, and yeah, I'm, I'm still there, but that's for the most part, the experience piece. What about in Florida when you were applying for yeah. Best Buy? So when I was applying for Best Buy, would you believe it or not? I only applied, I don't know how to explain this. I just knew that I was going to get the job at Best Buy. I don't know what it was. I just knew I was going to get the job there. Uh, mind you, I applied. I became homeless in September. I applied for them, and they called me uh, in, in September, but I couldn't go to the interview because I didn't have the money for a haircut. My hair was looking crazy. So I was like, hey, is there any way that we can reschedule? They're like, we're not doing interviews until, I want to say, October. I'm like, man. And they're like, okay, cool, we'll call you if, if something's open. And I'm like, damn it, I just missed my shot. What are the chances that they're going to call me back after I just declined the interview now? Um, but um, luckily I got the call. Let me tell you how funny it was. Uh, I got the second interview call. I still didn't have money for a haircut. I had to go to one of the prison guys who was cutting hair in the bathroom. I'm like, yo, man, I need a haircut. It's for a job interview. I swear, if I get this job, I'm going to give you the money. He said, no, man, it's cool, man. So, you know, he gives me a haircut or whatever. I go to the interview and I, I can't remember if I told the person who I was interviewing, if I was, I think I did, because this is the first time I was going through that stuff. I think I told him that, yo, I'm homeless. I need a job. Um, but if you hire me, um, you won't regret it. Mind you, I just got off a previous job doing, um, door-to-door -door sales. So sales was all that I knew. I knew commission-based sales. So he's like, well, you don't have a car. How are you going to get to work? I said, I'll walk. Um, and basically he was like, okay, cool. So I get hired, I think in a group of people, maybe like 32 people. Uh, we were like uh, the seasonal guys. So we had to basically perform so that we can keep our spot. It was a seasonal job. You're not guaranteed a position seasonal. Seasonal is uh, Black Friday, Christmas, New Year's, you know, just for the bulk of the holiday season, and then you're done. I was like, I'll be damned if I get outperformed by anybody here. Um, so anyway, they saw my sales performance, and I was slaughtering these guys. Like, it was like, yo, you guys are trash, <laughs> you know? Uh, I, I made it so difficult for them that a guy who worked there before me, they didn't know whether to give him the full-time spot or me. And I was a brand new guy, so yeah, damn. They had to create a new full-time position because they didn't want to not give it to him because he was like the golden child and I was some new guy that came in. So it's just my, my work ethic is what got me in there. And then I went from, from seasonal to manager um, within Best Buy, obviously two stores, but yeah, very quickly. Wow. Okay. That's amazing. Yeah. The determination of how, what, how long were the walks? Like an hour? Man, I, 
it was probably like an hour walk. And mind you, my schedule um, for Black Friday was like something crazy. It was like 2 a.m. to 2 p.m. So I had to leave the shelter at like close to like 12.30, you know, just to give myself, you know, one to get there, to be there early, not late. Um, but it wasn't even something I thought about though. I didn't think about, oh, I got a long walk. I was like, man, I gotta get to work. I didn't think about the long walk that I had or anything. That stuff didn't register to me. What was in my mind was, I'm gonna go kill it in sales, you know? Some people be like, oh man, I gotta walk to work. Oh my God, and so far, I, that's just not something I thought about. It was the task at hand was doing a good job when I got to work, you know? Um, getting there early, not being late. You know, I didn't care about the walk. You, know. you had to work hard for it. You needed that job. <laughs> you know, yeah, it wasn't an option. You had to have that job stick and like do an amazing job. So that mm-hmm. also that need is what makes you perform even more. You know your why. Um, so right now, going going here to, to the present moment, you've gone through all these challenges and now it's it's almost not a not that big of a challenge for you anymore because you've gone through it and and yeah. right so it's a walk in the park almost um yeah, what definitely. isn't what isn't a walk in the park for you now like what's right now a fear or a challenge that you're going through that is that is really tough a fear or a challenge now man oh man i gotta think about this one um Hmm. I'd say now, now I'm 30, I'm 34 now. I'll be 35 in September. I think right now it's just, I'm looking the fear of, this is going to sound crazy, but uh, starting or having a family, that would be a fear for me um, because I'm so, so lone wolf. Like I've done things by myself. I've, I've, I've never had to, to ask anyone for help or do anything. Um, I'm so used to fending for myself. I've, I've never had to have a family that I'm fending for now. Um, and when you have a family, you can't do certain things that you did before, you know, as of right now, if I say, you know what, I'm done with New York, I'm going to go to California. I can do that struggle by myself because I know I can make it out. Having a family, I can't do that anymore. I can't just go take a family. Hey, guys, we're going to go here and struggle with a family. That's a different thing. Now I'm not just responsible for myself. I'm responsible for who I have with me. And that would be a fear because it's like, okay, cool. I have a family now. Um, but... Now, my decisions, it can't be, not that my decisions were reckless because I knew what I was doing. I have to be much uh, more wiser with the decisions, you know, taking those risks, you know. Unless I find somebody who is with the same mentality, they're like down for it, you know, that would be a fear for me. That'd be okay, cool. Um, when I'm with this person or when I, when I start being with this person, what's the mindset going to be? Can I, can I still do what I do normally with this person? That's kind of scary. Because let's say, for example, my path is going to lead me on the West Coast. 
and I have an actual family now. So, okay, cool. You know what? I can't take this, this chance because now I got somebody that I'm responsible for, you know, that it, when I know that will come in the future, but that will be a fee. You know what I mean? And it's something you um, want as well. You want a family. In the yeah, I want a family, you know, of course, you know, I definitely want a family in the future. Um, but you know, that would be the fear, you know, that would be like uh, a, you, a new, a different challenge, a total different that, game for you. That'd be a totally different challenge. I, I would need to be super, super stable where I can say, Hey, you know what guys, we're going to go do this, but I'm so stable. We wouldn't have to go through the struggle or anything, you know, uh, because the last thing you want to do is take someone that you love and put them in some bullshit that they can't mentally handle it. They've never dealt with that before, you know, so that would be a big challenge for me. Okay. Huge. Okay. Okay. It it also would be really interesting for a kid a kid to be raised by you because like, you'd probably also give give them huge lessons in terms of going for what they want, going for what they want. Stop like a lot of parents project their fears onto their kids, yeah. and, and so get the degree, get the job, blah blah blah. blah. I think you'd be very more interested in what okay, what do you want? And, and yes. having them be fearless and getting what they want. So Correct. I'm, I'm yeah. trying to see the other side to your fear and challenge. Like that would be, yeah. and no, you wouldn't sure. be on your own. So you would have a, the person you're having a family with would have their own mind and, and could probably say, let's, let's do this. Let's take this chance and yeah. let's, this is how we're going to do it. And just yeah. giving you mm -hmm. some. No, that, that's huge too. Yeah. It wouldn't I remember, be on your own. Um, it wouldn't be just you being responsible. It's you yeah. and your partner being responsible. Yeah, for sure. I, I remember I followed some, um, there's a guy, uh, his name is TJ the Thinking Man. He does Muay Thai. And him and his wife moved to Thailand. And I think they were in Thailand for like, I think maybe three years or five years. And he came home one night. I'll never forget the post. He came home one night and he told his, his girl or his wife, hey, um, I want to go to Thailand. I want to move to Thailand and I want to, to pursue Muay Thai. And her response was, okay, cool. When are we going? Wow. And I was like, wow. And they have kids. Yeah. They have two little kids. I was like, whoa, that's huge. And yeah. they, they sold everything, uprooted, lived in a nice house. They uprooted everything and moved to Thailand. I know that wasn't easy. And she was doing the Muay Thai. Like she was fully supportive. So that's a huge thing too so if you got somebody who's down for it which she was that and they moved back to texas uh, i think now they're back in the states but to have somebody to say yeah i'm down for it and go over there yeah the sense huge. of adventure risk um and and living a different way so many people are trying to ground themselves and find a roof over their heads and the stable job and the stable income. Mm -hmm. And yeah. well, for me, I, I don't relate to that at all. Like that scares me. <laughs> I don't want that. I want to, <laughs> I want to move. So my challenge yeah. is how do I move and be stable at the same time? Like in terms of income. Um, but yeah, I, I guess it's finding that person that aligns with the kind of life that you you're seeking to live. Um, I want to ask you what has, what have the martial arts taught you? Oh, what hasn't it taught me? Um, well, why do judo and jiu-jitsu? Martial arts, so, man, I can't even, I can't think of what it hasn't taught me. It's taught me so much. So I'll, I'll just break it down. Um, for jiu-jitsu, 
Jiu-Jitsu has taught me three key things. When to hold on, when to let go, and when to transition. Uh, so in Jiu-Jitsu, if I'm doing a particular move and it's not working, I gotta let it go and go on to the next move. In Jiu-Jitsu, if I have a really good hold on someone and it's working for me, I gotta hold on. So Jiu-Jitsu's taught me what to hold on to, what to let go, and what to transition into. Judo has taught me to commit. Judo, whenever you do a throw or a takedown, if you don't have faith, 100% belief in a throw, you're gonna be hesitant, you're gonna half-ass it, and it's not gonna work. So Judo is commit, go 100%. Have belief in your technique and it'll work. Um, and it's a never-ending process, learning the two hearts, and those will probably be the key four things that's helped me along the way. You know, if you're gonna do something, commit to it. If it's not working, and it's really, really not working, learn to transition to something else that will work while still following the same path. Um, but man, it also uh, a level of focus, whatever it is that I'm trying to do, focus, be in the moment. When I'm doing jujitsu, I can't be thinking about, oh, rent is due, oh, the weather, oh, I have to be in the moment. You know, you have to problem solve in the moment. So aside from, you know, being homeless, all this other stuff, martial arts just taught me how to have that focus, um, how to problem solve on the fly. Because literally, jujitsu, like, you got a guy trying to strangle you. I have to figure out, damn, how do I not let this guy strangle me while being calm? So problem solving, being calm in the moment, both of them have helped me infinitely. That mentality translates to everything that I do. Everything. Does it come automatic to you or do you have to implement it? Okay, the situation and, and remind yourself of using all these um, strategies or does it just come it, natural to you? It becomes automatic. It's, I don't have to sit down and say, okay, cool, let's focus. It's just because you've, you're just used to focusing. You know, you identify the problem. Okay, cool. How do I solve that problem? Just like in jujitsu, I can't sit there and pause. Okay, time out. This guy's trying to strangle me. What do I do? No, it's it's going. You're going. You have to problem solve on the fly. So, and that comes with years and years of training. It just automatically seeps into everything else that I do, whether it be work issues. It just comes uh, inherently at that point. And how did this? How did you start this practice? Uh, Jiu-Jitsu, uh, well, it started when I was a little kid, uh, the Bruce Lee movies, not Jiu-Jitsu specifically, but martial arts, you know, you know, you're watching the Bruce Lee uh, flicks as a kid, punching and kicking and stuff. Um, I always loved the martial arts because I, I think that I really gravitated towards it for whatever reason. Um, but Jiu-Jitsu, I started watching, are you familiar with the UFC, right? The Ultimate Fighting Championship, the guys in the cage fighting, are you familiar with that? No, what? not very much. Oh, or yeah, uh, where where everything counts and it's like the mix of everything and they're all they're fighting yes. using. Okay, yeah, I saw it. I was at a restaurant the other night and they had a fight and that was a first just just a month ago. The first time I was like wow. really paying attention wow. to it. The first time. Wow. Yeah. Man, that's crazy. So that is what I saw. Some little skinny puny guy. Uh, Hoist Gracie choking out some guys years ago, and I was like, oh man, I want to learn that. 
Um, but I never had the money, you know, to do it or anything. I never, I didn't even know where to go, you know. Um, but just before, this is funny, just before I came, became homeless, uh, I was looking for a job uh, in Pembroke Pines and I found this jujitsu center. I was like, okay, cool. You know what? Let me see what this is about. I was looking for a job and the guy was like, his name is Wagner Roja. And he's like, I can't give you a job, but, you know, I can give you a free lesson in jujitsu. I'm like, okay, cool. You know what? Let me try it. This is before I was into fitness, into anything. He does a fitness test on me. Oh, my God. It's so embarrassing. Or right, how many push-ups can you do? I was like, I don't even remember what the number was, but it was bad. It was five. <laughs> it, was, it was so bad. I was so embarrassed. But um, he's like, okay, cool. You know what? It's fine. You know? So he starts, he lays on the floor. And he's like, okay, get between my legs. I was like, what? Let's get, you want me to get between your legs? I'm like, it's a little weird. He's like, yeah, I'm, I'm going to show you, you know, some technique or whatever. So he showed me some technique. And I was like, whoa, this is crazy. Because at the time, I was like a, a buck 30. I was, like, I was like really skinny. I didn't know anything. I was like, man, whatever this is, just jujitsu stuff is, you know, I want to I wanna learn it. So I think I started training there for about a month or so on the free trial. Um... But then I ended up moving, and that's when I kind of like went into the homeless thing. So just before I became homeless, I was looking for a jujitsu place to train, and I found a place. I was like, you know what? If I'm going to be homeless, at least, you know, let me use that as the goal. You know, I want to get a job to, you know, train some more jujitsu. Um, and then I'll tell you, that was another part of my life that transformed, you know. Um, I was so... I guess I, I was so, I, I didn't have much confidence at the time. Uh, I was shy. Um, I was in my shell. But once I started, you know, training and started becoming, you know, more confident, it was like a, a transformation for me, you know, once I got into the jujitsu, because I got into it for like self-defense and stuff, not to compete. Um, and man, I started jujitsu around the same time as Best Buy. So there were two things happening to me, you know, it was the mental and physical growth throughout that time frame. Um, and ever since then, I just stuck with it, you know, um, the major, major part of my life. I don't, I don't know where I would be if I didn't train jujitsu because I, I loved it so much that I honed in on it. You know, honestly, it wasn't, I need a job to get a place. It was, I need a job because I want to play for jujitsu, <laughs> you know, so, which is crazy. Again, it's what happens when you do things with your body and how that transfers up here on its own without you even having to, like those strategies, what you were saying about when to hang on, when to let go and when to transition, that's, that's life right there. And it's not yeah. until you practice it with your body and you have to do it and you learn by getting hit as well and falling and losing and and that's when it comes natural to you it come it's automatic for you like just yesterday I, I i don't really i'm not a jogger i've never been a jogger or runner but sometimes i'm trying to do the whole thing about listening to my body and i i train weights three times a week but sometimes i'm like i need something different i need to move i need to and, and, and I jump rope too, but again, it's very static. And yesterday I was like, you know what? I'm going to, it's not going to hurt me if I don't do weights. I'm going to just listen to my body and um, I'm going to go for a jog, even though cardio isn't what I should, should be doing. 
and but I also mentally needed uh, a shift of perspective or a shift of energy. I needed to like it, it's so funny. And as I was jogging, I was thinking, "Wow, like this is really what I needed." Like mood wise, I was get I was you know when you start feeling really stuck in your thoughts and in the energy of it and that and and I've heard this thing about get into your body to get out of that mental state and in the moment you're like yeah you don't think it's going to do much to you don't feel like it cuz your thoughts are there screwing with you and you're but I I really I needed to move and as I was moving it really it shifted I came back feeling a lot better like it really shifted me from where I was at mentally and emotionally and um so that whole thing about listening to your body and if you find a practice that really helps amazing I've never I've never been able to like find one thing and just stick to it because I change so like before I was swimming um, and doing yoga and and I, I think I told you like I'm doing so many things I don't know how to focus and one I can't I can't now I'm, I'm wanting to swim again I really need to be in the water and flowing again and I just really like that and yoga I was doing a lot of yoga before and now I, I have to push myself to do yoga it's becoming like a chore and that's where I start listening like that's maybe that's just maybe my personality where I need to switch it up every now and then and I've been listening to that too. Like, fuck, if I don't want to do yoga, I'm not going to force myself to do yoga. I'm sure I'll, I'll get the craving again. So I do it a lot less than before. Before I was doing it a lot. Now I do it like once a week, you know. And now I'm getting, I, I want to move more and, and do jog or dance or be outdoors, hike. It's, yeah, and it just depends on, for me, it depends on where I'm at. I, I really, um... I guess my consistency would be that I'm moving my body, my body, and that I am focusing on strength training. Um, but I really love it when I see someone like when you stick to one discipline, how you progress is amazing. Like I wish I could have that or find that one thing where I really stick to it and see what happens. You can, you can. Yeah, yeah, that's really cool. I really like that. Those things. What you what you hold on to, what you let go of, and how to transition. Damn, that's really good. That's totally really good. Man. And I use a lot of analogies, like when I'm talking to people, and it comes from martial arts, it comes from judo, it comes from jujitsu. Um, like people talk about, oh, I never got the opportunity. I'm like, sometimes the opportunity doesn't just fall in front of you. You got to create the opportunity. In judo, when I'm trying to throw a person, sometimes they don't give me the opportunity to throw them. So I got to create the opportunity, you know, do a move. And now the, now the opportunity is there. I do the throw. So I use that in my everyday life. There's something that I'm trying to accomplish, but I haven't got the opportunity. I have to find a way to create the opportunity. And you don't know these things unless you've been actively doing them, you know, um, over and over and over. So now these things, they just come to me without even thinking about it, without me having to make the correlation between life in judo or life in jiu-jitsu it just it's become my way of life yeah i think we're so used to um letting things fall on our lap or things being easy so that when they're not we don't want to make that effort but again it's sometimes it's it's well maybe you don't want it that bad but other times it's really just like losing belief and when you and when you do it, when you when you like determine yourself and you get the results that you want, then you think actually it's me. I need to push more, and mm -hmm. um, that about what that's what you mean by creating an opportunity. Like, 
mm-hmm. pushing and like looking for it. Looking for it. It's like, it's not going to happen unless you actually take the steps. It's just not going to happen. Like yeah. I'll never forget. I met this girl. She was my employee years ago. Uh, not my employee, my coworker at Best Buy. And she always wanted to work for Blizzard, like uh, uh, Activision. They do the World of Warcraft game. She's like, oh, I want to be a developer or whatever for World of Warcraft. I'm like, okay, cool. What are you doing to get there? She's like, nothing. I'm like, what? So how are you going to get there? How are you, you going to make that happen? Oh, no, if it happens, it happens. And I'm like, what? Like, I don't, that doesn't compute with me. I, I need to, you need to be, what steps are you taking to get there? You know? Because then nobody's going to just knock on your door. Hey, you want to work for Blizzard? <laughs> no. You have to start taking those steps to get there. Um, you got to start taking, you have to encounter those obstacles to make you better to get to the next level. You know, it's like, didn't understand that. So, so what has traveling taught you? Oh, number one, adapting. Uh, you got to be able to adapt. That's, I think that's the number one thing every traveler learns is how to, how to adapt to their surroundings. You're in a different country, different language, food. Um, so being able to adapt, um, I think for me, I really learned what my strengths and my weaknesses were through traveling. Um, through traveling, I found that my strengths were my ability to game plan, my ability to remain calm under pressure, um, my ability to um, not to overcome those fears that are going to a far place. Like those were highlighted. Um, when I got stranded, I didn't have any money. Um, you have to start calling upon different skills that you've never used before. So I didn't know that I can remain that calm under that much pressure. I mean, I've, I've gone through things, but I was like, man, I handled that pretty well. I didn't freak out. I didn't go insane. Like, I just handled it, you know? I was freaking stuck in Korea. No one could understand me. And I was like, how the hell am I going to get home? But I was so calm like so chill i was like man for a guy who's stuck halfway across the world you're taking this pretty pretty well uh but for traveling man just being able to adapt to any situation because you never know what can happen on a trip you know you never know all your luggage can be gone one day what are you gonna do you know you got to be able to to bounce back game plan um uh just adapt to any situation that can happen you know that's the number one thing Okay, nice, nice. And um, is there anything in your day-to-day life that um, that is hard for you right now that you're overcoming or, you know, using your lessons towards? <laughs> I mean, like, in your um, day-to-day stuff. Um, I, you know what? Dealing with New Yorkers, I... <laughs> Oh my okay. God, like everybody is so like angry and everybody's <laughs> just having, has an issue. Everybody's in a rush to go somewhere. They don't want to wait in line. So I have to really call upon that, that traveling. Okay, different place, different people, uh, different behaviors. Like I said, oh my gosh, <laughs> like, what's wrong with you people? But every day, that's an everyday thing because sometimes I got to check myself. Okay, cool. This is how things are in New York. Um, 
This is how they, yeah. they move, you know. I had to really call on that, that adaptation from traveling to really get through every day here because sometimes I just want to slap somebody because they're just so silly, you know. A hundred percent every day. I've been here a year now, and that is still one thing. I have to like, okay, cool, this is New York. This isn't Miami. Yeah. Um, they just, they like to wild out up here, man. They like to say whatever comes to their, to their, their head, they, they're rude. And that's okay. I get it. I understand. So I put myself back in traveler mode whenever I encounter those things. I'm like, oh, okay. That's what's going on here. Oh my God. Especially since you're into Japan so much and it's yeah. totally different. Totally like, different. The values totally. of Japanese people. Totally different, respectful, yeah. courteous, and I'm like, oh my god, yeah, like must they, be tough. What man, about socially that's... and like making making friends and stuff? How has that been for you? For the most part, because I've only been here a year and I was in the shelter for like a year, I didn't. Re my friends came from training, so my the friends that I hang out with now, my best friends, we all do judo, you know. So that's another thing too. Wherever I go where I'm training, it's inherently easy for me to make friends because I'm in that realm, you know what I mean? It's not, hey, you like judo? No, it's something they do. So for me, I don't have to go outside of what I normally do to make friends. You know, it's just because I train, you're gonna make friends automatically. Um, I'm still a hermit, so I stay home unless I'm at work, the gym, or judo, um, but it's easy for me to make friends because I'm, I'm always surrounded by people who are doing something that I love to do, you know, but it's, but making friends outside of that people here, I don't want to say they don't want to make friends, but everybody's very standoffish. Um, they feel like you're trying to, to do something, you know, everybody is trying to hustle or trying to get over on them. So everybody has their, their wall up. You know what I mean? It's very, very different uh, up here in New York. Very, very fast-paced. So people think you're trying to sell them something or get something from them. Um, so making friends outside of that. Like I said, I'm a hermit. Um, I don't even really care as long as I can go train. If you're, we're friends in training, cool. But, but whatever. I see, I see. So I think this, this will be my last question that we can close off with or we can end this with. It's been an amazing mm -hmm. conversation. I want to know <laughs> if someone, if you see someone, if someone's toy terrified, they want to do something, but they're terrified <laughs> again, like they're stuck in that fear. And I think we both know what it's like to be stuck in the fear. Mm -hmm. um, what are the first steps that you would advise them to do to get them to let go of that fear or to help them move from that into doing what they want? Um, I'd say write down your fears, write down what scares you, put everything on paper. You know, whenever you write something, um, you remember it more, you're able to problem solve more, uh, write it down um, and really address each fear. Like, why am I afraid? Um, am I going to die from it? Will I be able to come back from it? Write it down and address each thing individually. Uh, I'd say don't listen to the naysayers because people are going to project their fears on you. Uh, uh, be careful, honestly, who you hang around with too, because your environment will affect a lot of decisions that you make. You know, um, you know. For example, one of my best friends, um, he didn't travel until he started talking to me. 
And I said, hey, you know what? Yo, man, you just got to do it. Stop making excuses. Oh, I got to save enough money to do this. I was like, you know how I go on trips? As soon as I get enough money for the plane ticket, I buy the plane ticket. As soon as I get enough for the hotel or hostel, I buy the, the hotel ticket. If you say I want to save $10,000 for a trip, that shit's never going to happen because things are going to happen. Um, you're going to get sick. <laughs> um, yeah. A tire is going to blow out of your car. <laughs> so I was like, I don't yeah. do that because that's like a, that's like a cop out. Um, we're, we're just talking in terms of uh, going on a, a trip that you want to do. Uh, write down the fears. Uh, really have that uh, self-awareness. Why am I afraid? Is it something that's going to hurt me? If it's not going to hurt me, what's the problem? You know, uh, you have to really sit down and be real with yourself. Uh, have that humility, that, that self-awareness, you know, um, and really just go and do it. You know, you're not going to know if you're going to be successful or fail unless you do it. You know, I think the failure is not even making the attempt. If you don't make the attempt, that's the failure because you're forever going to be like, man, I wish I would have done this. What if I would have done that? That's the failure. You know what I mean? At least, at least if I try it and I do it and I fail, I know exactly what not to do the next time to get it done. You know, it's really just that, that self-awareness. Um, I'm not big on excuses, you know. Um, I'll, I'll bring it back to martial arts training. One of my coaches says, okay, cool. Are you injured or are you hurt? If you're hurt, you can still train. If you're injured, you cannot. That's, there's a difference. If I'm injured, I can't walk. Okay, yeah, you can't. But are you hurt? Okay, if you're hurt, you can still go do it. You know what I mean? So it's just a matter of identifying what is scaring you and seeing if those fears are valid. If it's not a valid fear, you can get it done. You know? So it, it, it's easier said than done because when you get those butterflies in your stomach, you know, we're afraid of the yeah. unknown. That's what we're yeah. afraid of. The unknown is the scariest thing. You know, totally. when I got on the plane to New York, I didn't know what was going to happen. That was the scariest part. It wasn't getting on the plane. It wasn't landing. Um, it was what's in the future where we're terrified of the unknown. We're terrified of the things that we cannot control. You know, we want to be in control of everything. You know, but how do I know unless I go and do it? Damn, what a good talk. Thanks so much, Tristan. I loved it. It came, it was just at the right time and everything that I needed to hear and I'm sure other people listening to this as well. Thanks so much. It's no, been a I, year I, and I, I, yeah, yeah, totally. No, more than a year because I've been more wanting to. Oh, yeah, yeah, ever since I heard the this your story, I was like, this is a this has to be <laughs> documented at some point. Um, yeah, you would make an amazing life coach. By the way, Ooh. that would be you would be really good for that. Um, anyway, I honor your openness and your discipline, and how humble you are as well. Yeah, I was just thinking like, wow, like so many people, this this story of like being homeless and what you learned and how you overcame that. And now it's you're not even afraid of that anymore. And then the traveling and yeah, more people need to listen to that. And thank you so much. I, I loved having no, you on the podcast. No, so, so happy. No, thank you. It's my first podcast and I'm almost second podcast and I'm on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I look forward to yours. I look forward yes. to yours. Excited for that.
Trust me, we might have you on the podcast. Hopefully, I hope so.